Now the story of a wealthy family who lost everything and the one son who had no choice but to keep them all together. It's Arrested Development. Salad episode 48. There's always money in the banana stand. There's always money in the banana stand. How much more clear could I make it? There's always money in the banana stand. There's always money in the banana stand. Okay, enough of that. Anyway, yeah, I'm Andy. And I'm Mike. And we're going to be talking today all about, I think, one of the funniest shows ever on television, Arrested Development. I'd agree with that. This show has got an enormous cult following. Oh, yeah. It completely restarted the uh, career of Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. Uh, yeah, and it actually kind of accelerated the careers of people like um, Will Arnett uh-huh. and Tony Hale, um, Michael Sarah. No, it's, oh, Michael Sarah, definitely. Yep, Julie Walters. Yeah. Uh, it's also um, Jeffrey Tambor made him a huge star to nerds, as well as David Cross, who... Yes. Up to that point, was, was just in a couple of movies. He's kind of an obscure comedian. Well, he was also on Mr. Show. That's where you know that's where most people knew him from. Right. Right. Until this came along. Until him. this, yeah. So we're going to be going over a whole bunch of different stuff today. Um, kind of a hodgepodge type of episode because we really didn't know how we wanted to tackle this exactly. So we just did it, you know, the most logical way possible. Yeah, or at least the way we thought. Yes. Would be the most po- possible way. So first which, of all, which is of course the best way. Of course, well, it's the only way to go. If it's yeah. the way you and I are doing it. Hell, that's what we're going to do. So before we get started, let's um, hear from Chris's Cultural Corner. KKK, that's not good. Andy and Mike, Arrested Development was a well-written, hilarious, off-the-wall series that didn't get the credit it deserved from the TV-watching public. All of the Emmys it won and all the critical praise it got didn't translate into ratings, unfortunately, and it got canceled after only 53 episodes. Here are some of my favorites from the show. My favorite regular character, Tobias Fionke. How can you not like a character who was fully licensed a nalrapist, which is an analyst and a therapist? But doesn't work out quite as well on a business card. <laughs> He's always made frequent double entendre, which made the blues question his sexuality, and Tobias was completely oblivious to the homosexual statements he was saying. One of the examples he has is... Oh, I've been in the film business for a while, but I just can't seem to get one in the can. I wouldn't mind kissing that man between the cheeks. Tobias... You blow hard. Tobias is also a never-nude, wearing cut-off denim shorts at all times to avoid anyone, including his wife, Lindsay, seeing him nude. I loved when he dressed up like the Mrs. Doubtfire-like Mrs. Featherbottom and tried to do a Mary Poppins flying scene with an umbrella off the stairs, and he lands on the coffee table, and hilarity ensues. (laughs) His favorite irregular character, Bob Blah Blah. Just saying his name cracks me up. And all the tongue twisters the show came up with, Bob Blah Blah, No Habla Espanol, Bob Blah Blah, Lobs La Bomb, and of course the Bob Blah Blah, Blah Blah, Blah Blog. Bob Blah Blah, Blah Blog. <laughs> Are you a CEO, CFO, or other executive facing these or similar charges? Why should you go to jail for a crime someone else noticed? 
You don't need double talk. You need blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. No habla espanol. Well, we're not here to talk nonsense to blah, blah, blah. There are, for series episodes, there are so many to choose from, but if you had to pick one, it would be episode, uh, season two's episode, Afternoon Delight. The episode has it all. Vandalism, drugs, awkward duets between relatives, Job in a banana suit, Tobias painted blue saying he blew himself, a car wreck that destroys the banana stand again. That's also my favorite episode as well. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the Arrested Development movie whenever it comes out, hopefully 2012. Till next time, thanks, Chris. Got some good stuff on there, Chris. Um, you know what the funny thing is, too? When you look at the listener feedback, Tobias is, I think, the most popular character that we got. One of them, yeah. One of them. Um, for example, Audra brought up the anal rapist, uh, a.k.a. Tobias Fionke. Um Mirna brought up Tobias is a never-nude. <laughs> um, and then there's... Uh, Actually, we got two others here. We've got um, uh, John, who actually mentioned Job as being his favorite character. His favorite episode is the episode Good Grief, which we are going to talk about in just a little yes. bit. Um, and then Lisa can't pick one. Nope. She said the entire cast is brilliant, so she couldn't narrow it down to one. Right. But if she had to narrow it down to one scene, it's when everyone calls Michael a chicken and then starts showing, just acting like a chicken. You're oh, a no. chicken. Cuckoo ka cha! What are you doing? Michael yeah. and women? A cuckoo That's what I was just telling you. Look, I haven't found the right girl. When I do, I will ask her out. Has anyone in this family ever even seen a chicken? The best part about that is it's almost like you, we, we can't do it justice on audio, only because uh, you have to see, like, Lindsay's, like, yeah, hillbilly dance when she's doing it. <laughs> And no, no, she's got the, the oh, hand she's up. got yeah, she's doing, she's kicking out, and she's got her hand up on top of you know on the top of her head. <laughs> and of course, Job's got <laughs> oh, it's it's fantastic. By the way, I do want to point out all of these episodes are available um, to to stream on Hulu dot com, which is good because you can't find Jack on YouTube. Right? No, yeah, they, they they've taken away a lot of that. You can also um, stream on Netflix as well. Yes. Um, unless you've already bought the DVDs like we have. Oh, yeah. Right, there we go. There we go. 20 bucks a piece. You can't go wrong. No, exactly. Um, we did take a uh, Facebook poll earlier in the week uh, with our new Facebook uh, Geek Salad page. Yeah. Please hit like if you haven't done so already. And we wanted to find out what your favorite non-Bluth character was. Uh, the winner, by a somewhat over- overwhelming majority of one, yeah. um, is the narrator. Played by... Ron Howard. Uncredited. Uncredited by Ron Howard. Um, and it's it reminds me how soothing his voice is. Yeah. He's actually a very good actor. He, oh, he's a brilliant actor, but... I mean, it, it was... He was kind of like the glue that held that, that show together. I mean, exactly. There's no way that show would have been as successful if it hadn't been his just kind of deadpan delivery of these lines. Or they had never had a narrator to begin with. Exactly. Um, I mean, narration is a weird thing to begin with for a sitcom. I mean, it it's not used often. It works better in Arrested Development than it does, say, in uh, How I Met Your Mother. Right. And that's only because the character of Ted is such a secondary character, even though it's supposed to be his show. Well, I mean, see, you, you can either have a narrator or you can have a li- live audience. You can't really have both. Right, exactly. Um... So, yes, congratulations. We're going to be going into some of his better stuff in just a little bit. Yes. 
But let's talk about the Bluth family, the, the central family of Arrested Development. All right. The main character is Michael Bluth. Yes. Played by Justin Bateman. Yes. Who has had a hell of a second career because of this. Yeah. I mean, starting with that, he was in Dodgeball, and now he's in this show. He's in Horrible Bosses, which did oh, yes. very well this, this past weekend. And he's coming up in a uh, kind of a, what is it, the switch up? Oh, the change up the with change uh, up. the Green Lantern. Yes, with Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Yeah, um, he's actually a very funny guy. Not so much about what he says, but his deadpan yeah. delivery, and just he—he he is the perfect straight man. Yeah, you could say he could say anything, no matter how ridiculous it is. But he says it with such a straight face right. that it just cracks you up. Right, and when he is the voice of logic, I think that's when he's—he's he's the funniest. Right, like when he announces to everybody in the pilot episode that. Um, Dad's in jail, and they've frozen the company assets, and everyone freaks out. It's just, that's funny. I thought you would have reacted that way when I said dad's in jail. But, you know, however, you know, he's the most sensible of them all, but he he often shows that he is just as oblivious as anyone else. Yes. Particularly when it comes to the opposite sex. Yes. Um, And speaking of oblivious to the opposite sex, uh, his son, George Michael, played by Michael Sarah in... What what Michael Sarah did with this character is something you'd never see on television. You and I think I've said this before when we kind of glossed over this on our um, underrated shows episode. Yeah. Um, that it's it's easy to be the bratty kid, the smart kid, or just the wise ass. He, he is none of those. No, he's like the the wall. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast. Family. Family, right. right. I thought you meant other things you eat. He's got very... Insecure, very insecure. Yeah. Uh, very soft-spoken. Um, and he really just... He gets led around by everybody. By his dad. Um, by his by his family. By his cousin, maybe, who he's, he's got a crush on. He's got very low, low self-esteem. Yeah. Now, did you ever see the one where uh, he was going to throw a ball... Where uh, Michael tried to throw a ball to him? Oh, and he yeah. turns around, it hits him in the back, and every time Michael throws something to him, he does the same thing. He, he never catches up. it. Yeah, he just curls up. Um, hairless, girly legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, when they, when they put him in the uh, lower half of the, the magic trick. Yeah. And he, I mean, Michael Sarah is one of the, these actors that has kind of parlayed that into a career playing the, the awkward wallflower. Except for Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Where he kind of did that a little bit. Especially in the beginning, and then he kind of but I totally, expanded out. Yeah, I totally bought into him by the end of that movie. Oh, yeah. Um, moving on, George Blue Sr., Jeffrey Tambor, <laughs> uh, who was supposed to only be a temporary character. He was not supposed to be, because they were going to put him in jail, and they would just refer to Dad. Right. But, but he did such a good job. He... he He's a brilliant, brilliant actor. He's very funny because he's an older guy. Yeah. Um, he's got that kind of hangdog face. He's very... He just seems so lonely. He always... Like, the character... He always tells it like it is. Yeah. It's like when he's talking to Buster. It's like, you were a turd out there when he's talking about his, his sporting abilities. Yeah. <laughs> you're just a turd out there. <laughs> um, I just love the, like, the, the first season when he's just in jail... And he wants to stay, mainly because they give them give him ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> uh, he He's fantastic. But uh, you know what? I honestly think my favorite character on this show might be Lucille, his wife. Yeah. She is the world's worst mother. Yeah. Um, completely manipulative. Completely manipulative. Pits her kids against each other. 
She doesn't like any of them. But she's so, she's massively insecure because she needs her kids, but she hates them. Right, exactly. I wouldn't put it past her. She'd love to get at me any way she could. That's why she's been flirting with Job. She's trying to prove that she's closer to my children than I am, but the joke's on her because she doesn't know how little I care for Job. I think that makes the joke on Job. Um, she's also been spoiled by wealth. Yeah. To the point where she's never learned how... She's actually been called the world's worst driver. <laughs> on, there was that show, uh, Idiot Drivers, where there were these two cars that were parked... And she, like, so they're, they're parked um, horizontally, and she kind of pulls into the space vertically <laughs> and just walks out, goes shopping. And then there was a time where she's just driving, and she runs into a, a support beam in a parking garage, and she st- runs out of the car like, where the hell did that come from? And uh, what was it when they went to the, um, when she and Lindsay went to the, the fast food joint? Yeah. It's like, do you want fries with that? I don't understand the question, so I shall not respond to it. <laughs> Always got a drink in her hand. <laughs> you, oh, great episode where maybe was uh, had tricked everybody into thinking she was a Hollywood producer. Yeah. And um, Lucille had just had a face peel done. <laughs> she wakes up maybe in the middle of the night. She goes, she goes in and she sees Lucille wrapped up with her face all shiny with a, with a martini. She's like... What was it? What did they call her? Gamgee? Gamgee Thirsty. Gamgee Sure, sir, Thirsty. So they made a horror movie out of it? <laughs> I'm thirsty. <laughs> oh, she is. she's awesome. Now, this is another... Julie Walters, who played her, um, has also taken that character and moved it on to the show Archer, yeah, okay. where she's another alcoholic, you know, absentee mother. I haven't seen any of Archer, actually. You need to check out Archer, because it's... I've heard really good things about it. It's very much in this style um, of just self-important people who have a lot of money and a lot of power and are just completely oblivious to the underlings around them. (laughs) It's it's great. Um, Moving on to other characters, we've got uh, Job. Yeah. Played by the great Will Arnett. George Oscar Bluth. Yep. The magician of the family. Not Gob. Yep, which has normally been pronounced. Um, He just made one of the greatest entrances in television history where they introduce him as the magician on the boat during um, George Sr.'s retirement party where he's going to pass the reins of the Bluth Company on. And he's got the Aztec uh, Aztec Aztec tomb. tomb. And Michael goes up to him. And he says, This is the magic trick, huh? Illusion, Michael. Mm. Trick is something a whore does for money. Or cocaine. Yeah, that's really, I love that. I use that a lot, especially when I hear anybody call anything a trick. It's an illusion. Tricks are what whores do for money. (laughs) Um, You know what the funny thing is, is that when I saw Batman Begins... I was watching it um, with uh, Brian Dermody, who uh, was up until a few years ago uh, the co-host of Living Under Martial Law. Right. Um, and we're watching that, and I'm like, is this me, or does Christian Bale sound like Job? <laughs> I get to the bad time. You were just mid-sip on that. <laughs> yeah, it almost came up my nose. Oh, no. Now, what do you think of Buster? Buster is kind of a love him or hate him type of character, I think. Um, 
actually for me it's uh, love them or hate them depending on the episode. Mm. Um, most of the time, I, I he's he's the idiot man child. Yeah, he's the, he's the baby. Yeah. So his mother is completely he's completely tied to his mother because they never let him grow up. Yeah. All everything he's done to better himself has been. Um, like Peruvian accounting and map making. <laughs> they had to make maps. It's like there hasn't been a new landmass that's been discovered in over 200 years. Now, obviously, the blue lines are the land, and <laughs> he's also prone to crippling panic attacks. Yep. Um, definitely, he's got the heart of gold, but he also loves to run, you know, walk over and massage people. Yeah. Which is hysterical when he loses his hand, he's got the hook, and he's still doing it, and there's like everyone's like, ah! <laughs> Um, Michael's twin sister, Lindsay, yeah. played by Portia de Rossi, she is really funny in this. Yes. And it's like the one character you wouldn't expect to be that funny because, let's face it, she wasn't funny on Allie McBeal. No. She's not really a funny type of actress. No, I mean, she's, she's very self-involved, but you can tell that she knows what she's doing. And yeah. She, she, she's just being self-involved. To well, that's make what herself she, feel better. That's what she does. She's yeah. yeah, she's very self-involved because, like, she's important. So she does a lot of um, charity work. She doesn't realize how awful the charities are. Right. It's like they had a cheese. They, they had a cheese banquet yeah. for uh, helping the hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and her uh, her big uh, charity drive for hoop. Yes. Was that the um, anti circumcision? Yes. Yeah. The, the anti circumcision <laughs> charity. It's a dog. Let it have its ears. <laughs> um, and she is married to uh, the aforementioned Tobias Funke, Funke. Uh, played by David Cross, um, who was a psychiatrist until he lost his license giving CPR to someone who wasn't dying. dying. <laughs> <laughs> He's great because again, and he was another character that was just supposed to be a temporary. One or two shot character. I am so glad they kept him in. Oh my god, because he finds his love of acting. Actually, yeah. the way they introduce him is <laughs> he gets separated from everybody and then thinks that the, the, the George's retirement party is being held on another boat with a bunch of uh, what he thinks are actors yeah, playing he think, pirates. He thinks it's going to be a pirate party, so he dresses up in Lindsay clo- Lindsay's yep. clothes. And it turns out it was like a gay pride. Uh, <laughs> it, it was like a gay pride protest. <laughs> He's just dancing around. He completely misses the point. Yeah, but it gave him a love of acting. So for the next three seasons, he wants to be an actor. I love it as soon as he rushes in. I figured out something about myself. You're gay? No, no. no. How many times do we have to go? No. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not gay. We've gone over this. Um, yeah, there's been some fantastic stuff, including the, the clip that we just played that, that Chris had mentioned. Yes. Awesome, awesome stuff. Their daughter, uh, maybe Fiumke, um, played by Elias Scalawat. I think that's how you Shawcat. Shawcat. Okay, yes. yeah, I can't, I can never remember. I've only seen her in one thing since this, and it was that terrible movie, The Runaways. She was in something else. She was, yeah, she was the bass player in The Runaways, which starred, uh, Kristen Stewart. Yeah. And, uh, Dakota Fanning right. as, um, people trying to be Bowie. Uh, she played the bass player, and you would think for someone with the name recognition that she would have carried with her, doesn't have a single line in the entire movie. Wow. Yeah. She's she, kind of funny. Yeah, I, I I like her as a character. She's kind of... Oh. She's good in short and small doses. Yes. The Hollywood, when she tricks her way into Hollywood, 
that is probably the the best that you ever see of her. Right. Because she's um she's just as self involved as her mom. She's also just as competitive as her mom, which they showed when um she had a crush on a guy at school and her mother, uh, Lindsay, thought the guy was cute. So and the the guy that she was in love with, Steve Holt. Steve Holt, Steve Holt. Um was like, hey, your mom's really hot. Oh, yeah, well, she used to be a man. <laughs> and be, what was it? Was it a cold sore? No, no, no. She, she, oh, what, what yes. What caused your voice to go down? Was it the cold sore medicine? Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Some kind of medicine. She was like, she sounded like she was, you know, a, a tranny. Basically. Right, exactly. And Lindsay gave her a shirt that said she-mail on it. <laughs> but she got her mom to wear it because she said it was a uh, exclusive de- designer shamale. <laughs> But the thing that I loved about Maybe was when she was getting into the Hollywood scene, and well, first of all, her her, her idea for the movie Love Indubitably. <laughs> but she was like, "Okay, I, I gotta I gotta find religion like everybody else. What are those T shaped necklaces? Where can I get one of those T shaped necklaces? You mean a cross? Yeah, a cross from where? <laughs> um, the other the other members of the Bluth family, An Young, the adopted Korean child. Who shows up for about half of season one. Half of season one and shows up in the finale. All right, yeah. And, then... um, and can only say Anyang, which is hello, and everyone thinks that's his name. Oh, no, he can talk. That's right, he can talk. He just chooses not to. Right, and he and Buster have a big-time rivalry. Bitter rivalry for Lucille's affection. Yeah. And then there's Oscar, George's um, bro- twin brother, also played by Jeffrey Tambor. Not one of my favorite characters. I've Again, sm- great in small doses. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, George loved him because he had hair. Yeah, <laughs> I, I loved him in um, in Afternoon Delight, obviously. Yeah. And then when when um, George got him the he sent to jail instead of himself. Oh yeah, it was uh, blame a twin. <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah, there was I think uh, the first episode of the second season, and like the entire police station is overrun with these guys. Like you got the wrong guy. It was my twin who did it. <laughs> Oddly enough, that was the most common, that was the most common <laughs> the, excuse used. Yeah, exactly. Then there were like the triplets. <laughs> um, now, a lot of secondary characters. Um, th- there were so many of them. Yes. They actually attracted a lot of, of reasonably big name talent mm. on the show. Uh, we we had already mentioned um, Ron Howard as the narrator, yeah, as who the really great just holds holds that show together. Definitely. But uh, Henry Winkler is Barry Zuckercorn, the world's most inept lawyer. Who's also a closet homosexual who hates homosexuals. Yep. Oh, yeah. He was... No, there was all the... the um, he, was, he was in a lawsuit. Yeah. He was in the civil suit because of sexual discrimination against his gay secretary. Because he called him, like, a, a queen, a queer or something like that. I think all the... I, I, it's not the no, I think he just called him a queen or something. Okay. It was just... It was a really benign thing, and his, his, his secretary just took it way out of hand. <laughs> there was this great bit, though. There's two great bits that Barry Zuckercorn did, both of them visual. Yeah. The first, he's talking to one of the blues. I don't remember who in the bathroom. He's washing his hands, and he he looks at his he looks at the, the mirror. He goes to do his hair and just does the hey like he did when he was Fonzie in the opening credits of Happy Days. I think I know what the other one is. The other one is when he literally jumps a shark. <laughs> they, have, they have a shark on the on the pier. He's talking on one side. And he jumps over. He it. Jumps over it. You've got to love that. Yeah. Um. There's uh, Steve Holt. Steve Holt. That's how we re- had so we announced this stuff. Steve Holt. Steve Holt. Uh, Job's son. Yes. So Job's long lost son. He's actually a member of the Blue family. Yes. Uh, he was also a weird love triangle in that high school. Maybe he was in love with Steve Holt, who was her cousin. Yeah. Um, George Michael was in love with Maybe, 
who turns out was not really her cousin. Right. Well, because Lindsay was adopted. Yeah. Well, in that case, then neither Steve Holt, Steve Holt isn't her cousin. That's either. true. Oh, you're right. You're right. Damn you and your logic. Ha ha. Uh, Chris had mentioned Bob Blah Blah. Blah Blah Blah. Played by Scott, Scott Bayo. So if you're going to replace the, the Blue Family lawyer of, of Fonzie, you're going to replace him with Chachi. <laughs> Um, then there's, uh, Anne Veal, played by Mae Whitman, who was in, um... Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Yep. She's great because she's so plain. Yeah. I love it. They forget her in Mexico, like, twice. It was, like, two or three times they had to go back to get her, and they kept, they kept forgetting her. Um, then there is Lucille Two, otherwise known as Lucille Ostero. Yeah. Played by Liza Minnelli in, I think, probably one of the best things Liza Minnelli has ever done. She I, didn't. I would say so. She didn't chew up scenery. No, um, she wasn't playing off the whole. I'm gonna sing a song now and be brassy. She actually had um, severe vertigo. <laughs> she's like, she had, like equilibrium problems. She'd fall over. So most of the first season, like she and Buster were kind of like quasi dating. They had they had an illicit love affair. She, that's why they, she was the other Lucille, right? And so she would constantly fall down, and he would constantly have panic attacks. Yeah. <laughs> Her, her introduction was great because it really brought in um, that Buster has got major mother issues. Yeah, um, we'll get into a, a nice little play on words in a little while with that to really illustrate how how terrible his mother issues are have gone. Yeah, Carl Weathers, playing, another great at uh, playing Carl Weathers. Uh, Carl Weathers befriends uh, Tobias during Tobias's acting phase, right? And he's there to give him tips. Most of the tips are how to get free things, <laughs> how to get money, and how to like you know take a take a bone, eat everything off it, and then use a stew. <laughs> <laughs> then there was the, like they were the the Burger King. Oh yeah, and it's like oh check this out, you just empty the cup and you go up and get more <laughs> for free. See, I do that to myself. I do that myself. Everybody does that. Come on. Okay. Yeah. Oh, geez. But but Carl Weathers. I mean, the guy was in Predator for God's sakes. <laughs> He knows. Uh, Kitty, played by Judy Greer. Yeah. Um, not a great character. She's, she's a great foil for the Blue Family, but she was best used in extremely small doses. Yes. Uh, her best... The best thing she did was the fact that she was... Because she was George's, George Sr.'s mistress, right. she really thought she, she wielded the sexual power over everybody in the Bluths. So every time she would get up and leave, supposedly for the last time... She lifts, lift up her shirt and goes, well, you can just kiss these goodbye. And every, it like, it just became like this catchphrase. Like she was having coffee with Michael and then she's like, all right, fine. You can just kiss these goodbye. And Michael never had an affair with her. No. Um, and she had a crush on Job. Yes. Well, she, yeah, she was just going to keep going through the, uh, the blue family. And then she ended up running away with Tobias. Yeah. Which is <laughs> odd because he's not a blue member. He's not a blue family member. Yeah. Then there's Maggie Lizer, who was played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and probably, I think, the funniest thing she's done, and that means, that, that's better than Elaine on Seinfeld. Well, you see, I don't, I don't much you care never for wa- Seinfeld. There you so. go. There you go. Yeah. She is playing a lawyer who is introduced as being blind. And she's not really blind. She's not really blind. She uses it for sympathy. <laughs> Um, she, like, breaks, to, to win over jurors. She'll break evidence with her. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And the judge is like, don't worry, don't worry about, about it. it. It's You're okay. way they, ahead. Nobody, nobody wants to offend her. <laughs> and there's this great bit later on where um, she claims to be pregnant. So yeah. her big thing is that she's a compulsive liar. 
Yeah. The name Maggie Lizer. I guess she's a terrible lawyer, so she, the only way she can actually win cases is by getting a sympathy vote. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there's uh, Wayne Jarvis, who was Michael's hire for the Bluth family attorney. He's very good. He's very good. Very no-nonsense. In yeah. fact, there was a thing where Lucille didn't want to to hire anybody. She wanted to keep Barry Zuckercorn because he was their family lawyer. Right. Even though he probably advised him more legal things than anything. <laughs> Um, and Michael was trying to surprise her with that. So he was like, okay, hide behind that, that sofa, and when I give the word, come out. So Lucille comes in, and Wayne just pops right up and says, hello, I've been hired to represent you. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, then there's Rita. Yeah. The uh, mentally retarded female. Mr. F. Mr. F, who was in the last season of Arrested Development for like five or six episodes. Played by Charlize Theron. After the Oscar. Yeah. I'll point that out. This was after the Oscar. She came and did this silly little show with a ridiculous British accent. Playing a mentally retarded female. Yes. Everybody thought, well, everybody thought she was eccentric because she was English. Yeah. It turns out she was just mentally (laughs) handicapped. Um, she she's really really good in that role though. She, she was oh she was excellent. Um, we'd also put Nelly. Mm-hmm. On there, which one, which one? Remind me, who was Nellie? Nellie Bluth, played by Nellie Justine Bluth. Bateman. That's right. I didn't write it down. Great casting because she was supposed to be the long lost Bluth sibling, um, and played by Justine Bateman, Jason Bateman's Bates real life Bates. sister. And it turns out that she's a prostitute. <laughs> and the reason why she was in all of George's databases was because he was eliciting her, but not for sex, just to, so to pay her to listen to him cry. <laughs> about how much hair his brother has and how much he hates his life. And it turns out that when Michael is under the impression that, he, that she's his sister, he hires her into the family business. And, um, well, this clip will just tell you all you need to know. And Michael was getting an update on how his newest employee, Nellie, was working out. Really? And all the guys like her, huh? That, that, is, that is great. Uh, you mean away, though. Right, because otherwise it, it sounds a little different, but uh, it's that's uh, it's outstanding. Real good. You forgot to say away again, but uh, listen, let me let me call you back in a bit, okay? Right. Nelly has blown them all away. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic! I love too when they start showing the guys like they're all pandered to the same thing George is doing, just sit there and cry. <laughs> Uh, there's other one other character I just have to mention real quick is uh, Neil Parmesan, the, the private yes. investigator that Martin Lucille Mull. hires. Yeah, played by Martin Mull, who appears anywhere. Yeah. And he usually is brandishing some ridiculous disguise. But every time he does it, Lucille goes nuts. <laughs> I mean, it's it's quite, kind of a good disguise, but you can tell it's him. Yeah, exactly. It's like, but, well, where's the doctor? Did somebody say doctor? Ah! <laughs> He would just show up, and it was like a running gag for the first two seasons. Yeah. He would just show up every once in a while. So let's get into some of our uh, favorite episodes. All right. All right. We can go over these. I will go over each one just briefly. Yeah. Now, let's not get it wrong either. We do love this show. We love every episode of the show. These are the episodes I think we weren't mentioning. Yeah. All right. Episode one, The Pilot. 
Now, correction, the yeah. pilot, the extended cuts. Yes, which you can get on the DVDs. And there's no... Honestly, once you've seen that, there's no point to watching the edited cut. It's about eight minutes longer. And, and there's language that yeah. they don't cut out. I've got the worst fucking attorney. <laughs> Um, it's just great because it introduces you to everybody, and yeah. you you all you by the end of the episode you know Michael's the serious one, Lindsay is the selfish one, Job is the idiot, Buster is the man child, Lucille is the mis- manipulative one. Yep, Tobias uh, is t- Tobias is gay, ob- oblivious uh, to it, oblivious to it. Yeah, and George is a crook. Yeah, so um, it's just a great way to introduce the show. Mm. Um. Number two uh, for the first season is Top Banana. Yeah. This was actually the first episode I actually watched live. I, I watched the pilot episode first, so. This this episode is hysterical because, well, to me, it was just a great way of just illustrating how funny the, the cast was and how the, um, just how the cohesion of that cast really, really kind of came together immediately. It didn't take a few episodes to warm up. Right. I mean, it kind of... Continues the plot from the pilot. You know, Michael is trying to keep the keep the business He's running. To, yes, exactly. He's trying to be the business leader, even though his mother is the one who was given the company. Right. Um, but and George is just trying to keep, keep you know keep all the evidence away from everybody else. Right. But he said that if they ever need money, there's money in the banana stand, which means um, which Michael takes as we'll just open up the banana stand again which was this long running business on the pier selling frozen bananas right and he he was stuck running it as a kid as a kid cuz his father made him and then now he's making George Michael run the banana stand although to be honest George Michael kind of prefers it right exactly but there's this great bit where they where Ron Howard is talking about the banana stand yeah and then there was a song written called Big Yellow Joint because it looked like a big yellow joint <laughs> Oh, fantastic episode. And finally, Michael decides, okay, you know what, I'm going to... My father did this to me. I can't do this to you. You can you can go off and be a kid. Let's burn the thing down. Yeah, he wants, he wants to prove that he can he can control the business. He, yeah. He's not going to follow his father's whims. George Michael is not at the banana stand. Well, he's got a girlfriend now. Maybe she's making his banana stand. And you can't compete with that. That's not what's happening, okay? And I can compete with that. Trust me, okay? You can easily compete with that. Really? Not that, specifically. So he burns the place down, not realizing that when, when George had mentioned that there's money in the banana stand, there was money in the banana stand. Like, yeah, in the walls. $250,000 in cash. How, how much more clear could I be? There's money in the banana stand. <laughs> um, next episode we want to talk about, My Mother the Car. Yeah. Where Lucille feels unloved by her children. This is a perfect episode proving how much how much Lucille manipulates his her kids. She causes an accident and then blames it on Michael, who was knocked out. Yeah, he was like he got a concussion from the from from the accident. From the accident, so she puts him in the driver's seat and claims that he blacked out while they were driving because she can't lose her license. <laughs> this is where they kind of state what a terrible driver she really is, right? Because they keep doing it. Yeah. It's not just this one time in this episode. There's another time within the episode where they she moved Michael back into the driver's seat again. Oh, a fantastic episode. Then there's uh, peer pressure, where um, Michael thinks George Michael is using marijuana. Oh, with this this has got the hot cops. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> 
a bunch of uh, strippers that like dressing up as cops. Right, and they're, they're just supposed to be posing as cops to teach uh, George Michael a lesson. <laughs> but they keep, like, acting out like strippers. Yeah, they just, yeah, exactly. They can't turn off the stripperdom. So it's like, okay, you're under arrest. And they start stripping themselves off. Um, this is also the first episode to introduce uh, George Sr.'s terrible teaching his kids a lesson. Right. Like, there was one about... Um, not uh, not putting the cat back on the milk or drinking all the milk. Yeah. And he had hired this guy to just just create this terrible, terrible, horrific scenario. It's a one-armed guy, and, and each, each lesson always ends... With the guy having his arm ripped off. <laughs> and then the kids freak out, and then he's like, and that's why you always put the milk back in the refrigerator. And that's why you don't do drugs. And that's why you don't teach lessons. <laughs> oh, it, it, so the, the lengths that George would go to to keep his kids in line yeah. is fantastic. And it, he's just as bad as Lucille. He pits the kids against each other, especially the, uh, the brother fights. Yeah. He, he marketed this line of videos called Brother Fights <laughs> where uh, Michael and, and uh, jo- Job would just beat the crap out of each other. And then as a side episode, they'd have The Adventures of Baby Buster. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, fantastic stuff. I do want to mention something, just going back a little bit, about one of the products that the Bluth Company came up with, the Cornballer, oh, yeah. um, which was taken off the market uh, primarily because it was a fire hazard and endangered anybody who used it. Also because um, Richard Simmons was showing it on an infomercial and nearly burned his hand off, and uh, <laughs> George was upset, so he strangled him. <laughs> I, he managed to market it successfully in Mexico. Exactly. <laughs> Essentially, the thing is, you, you make like a little corn patty, you put it in this thing, and you dip it in the oil, and you flip it out. The problem is, every time you flip it out, it splashes hot oil all over the place. <laughs> and if you touch the metal on the top, it burns your hand. <laughs> Mother of God! Oh! Every damn time! Oh! This is a big one! Oh! <laughs> That's so awesome. Every damn, damn time. time. I used that. You know, I was using that a lot when Scarlett was a baby. There was a, We'd have a routine. She'd wake up to want to be fed in the middle of the night. I'd bring her over. Autumn would feed her. I'd bring her back to her crib, um, you know, burp her, and then put her back in. And every time, you know, and this, the, hot, the heat of summer, she was born in May, so it's the right. heat of the summer. I'm not wearing a shirt. So I'm like, okay, honey, time to go to bed. Are you okay? And she's like, bleh. And it was just like, oh, every damn time! Um, uh, but the peer pressure episode is also great, too, because when um, George Michael actually admits that he was going to, to use marijuana, yes, I was going to take marijuana, rolling it in the form of a cigarette, and smoking it. Uh, it this deadpan line that Michael Sarah does. Oh, yeah. He's, he's just so good at those. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the um, Alter Egos, Justice is Blind episodes, which introduce us to uh, Maggie Lizer, Lizer. Yeah. Um, which is just some fantastic stuff. The best part, though, is the, the second part, the Justice is Blind episode. Yeah, because where... her dog is Justice, and her dog is blind. Yeah. The George Sr. Uh, sends Job to sneak into Maggie's house to see what evidence she has, because she's going to be the prosecuting attorney right. in uh, George's case. So, Job sends Tobias to break in, where he's dressed, was he dressed as a blue man, or was he, no, he no, was no, just... no, he, he dressed himself in her clothing. Oh, that's right. And then put her, her perfume on him to, to <laughs> disguise her scent. 
despite the fact that she wasn't blind and she saw him the entire she, time. She saw him the entire time, but um, the dog didn't see anything. <laughs> so you know, it, it was fantastic. There's also um, maybe posing as uh, her terminally ill twin, Shirley. Oh, yeah, Shirley Funke. <laughs> she uses Shirley to kind of, like... She she wants to show how sexist the world is. It shows she'll bring out this this crippled character. It was like when Cartman joined the Special <laughs> Olympics and all he did was put on like a shirt that like a Kool Aid shirt that was too small and cut his hair through a uh, a bicycle helmet and just went. Duh! <laughs> Do you remember what what disease Shirley Funke was dying of? No. BS. Oh, that's right. <laughs> We've uh, got to stop BS. Yeah. Um, another great episode, the Not Without My Daughter episode. Yeah. Where, um, George Michael, instead of bringing, uh, Michael, instead of bringing George Michael to work with him on Bring Your Daughter to Work Day, because he didn't have a daughter, he brings Maybe. Yeah, because, oh yeah, because he had always been bringing George Michael, and then George Michael was starting like, well, I guess I'd better bring this purse because it doesn't match my shoes. <laughs> the best part about this was everybody that they introduced <laughs> Had, had a child with them. Yeah. In fact, um, Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall yep. is interrogating Michael, and he's got a baby on a uh, on a baby Bjorn. <laughs> oh, you just you just woke up, baby Catherine. <laughs> oh, fantastic stuff. Yeah. Um, that, that's actually the end of season one, right? Well, you want to take some of the stuff from season two? All right, season two. We'll start with. Amigos. Oh, the aforementioned episode where they go to Mexico and continue to leave Anne there. And it's also the first episode that introduces Neil Parmesan. Nice. Oh, it's it's a great episode. There's just so much. Watching the Blues have to deal with another culture is hysterical. <laughs> I just remembered apart from that with them, they had to pr- they printed out a picture uh, profile of George. Yeah. To bring down Mexico, but they had to print it on um, on uh, giant. Paper and made in blue, <laughs> and so the bounty under the Joe Pires tackles uh, Tobias, who's dressed up. <laughs> I also remember that um, uh, Job does his his chicken dance, yeah. and that insults a, a, like a local warlord <laughs> because they think he's gay. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, and this is an episode uh, John had mentioned being his favorite. Good grief. Oh, what a great episode. Primarily because they continue to use the, the lonely, sad Peanuts walk. Yeah. Every time someone exits the scene, head down, and then they play the uh, the Christmas Time is Here music. Yeah, it, I think, let me see, I know George Michael does it. I'm pretty sure George Sr. does it. Pretty sure Tobias does it. I think Job does it as yeah. well. Yeah, every time something p- bad happens to them. I also right. believe this is the episode where um, George Sr. is hiding out in yes. uh, Michael's house in the attic, and uh, George Michael finds him. Yeah, well, he finds him out in the in the backyard, yeah, right under under the uh, under the ground, a la um, Saddam Hussein. Oh yeah. <laughs> so he puts him in the attic, but he feels he has to tell someone. So he tells his dad, like, Dad, I have pop up in the attic. Well, you see, son, just the mere fact that you're calling making love pop up <laughs> means you're not ready for sex yet. <laughs> Uh, great, great episode. I believe I broke a wine glass laughing that so hard at that one. I'm almost... Uh, true story. I think that actually happened. I believe it. All uh, right. Next, we've got Afternoon Delights. Yes, this is a... This is a listener favorite episode. Yeah. I mean, it starts off with Job trying to be... You know, trying to run the... Um, the Booth Company's Christmas uh, show. Yep. But he... 
he wants to be roasted, but he can't take a joke, so he ends up firing everybody. <laughs> and um, on the, on the flip side, um, there's a there's a karaoke con there's a karaoke yes. competition, and uh, Michael thinks that you know George Michael is is too busy spending time with Anne Veal. Yeah, so he takes maybe egg, <laughs> and. Uh, and Michael and maybe sing Afternoon Delight. Had George Michael and Lindsay stayed, they might have discovered what Michael and maybe did. That Afternoon Delight was more adult themed than its innocent melody would have you believe. And the thought of loving you is getting so exciting. Sky rockets in the light. Hang on, maybe. Afternoon Delight. <laughs> <laughs> Not realizing how much of a dirty song it is. It's, it's a song about making love in the afternoon, and the fact that this this grown man is singing it with his fifteen year old niece, <laughs> and they, they do it again at some point. And Michael's like, I don't understand how that could be a dirty song. <laughs> and also, um, Lindsay and George Michael sing it. Yep. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> and oh oh yeah. And um, uh, Michael asks Oscar. To have sex with Lucille because Lucille is really tense. Yeah. But he says, give, give her some afternoon delight. And Oscar takes it as meaning afternoon delight is a type of marijuana. <laughs> so he gets her some uh, special brownies. My mom is very stressed out and uh, she needs something that I can't give her. Um, maybe a little afternoon delight. Oscar thought that Michael was referring to a particular brand of cannabis named Afternoon Delight, a strain famous for slowing behavior. Well, sure. The question is, which way do I try to get it in her? I don't need any details. Maybe I'll put it in her brownie. Hey! <laughs> Great episode. Uh, I, I, every time I see that, I just die laughing. Yeah. It's so hilarious. Um, what else we got? We got Queen for a Day. Which one's that? Oh, you mean, you mean, you wanted to... Just oh, yeah, that. I wanted to do this. I only want to read the description for this. Thank you, Wikipedia. Yeah. The Booth Company stock is unfrozen. Michael sells his shares to buy a new Corvette. And Tobias uses his shares to purchase a gay nightclub called the Queen Mary. The Queen Mary. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't realize that it's a gay nightclub. <laughs> Next. Next. Out on a limb. All right. Uh, let me see. Oh, yeah, this is the one that brings back Maggie Lizer. Oh, yeah. Now supposedly pregnant. Yep, which she's not. No, but uh, Michael thinks that it might be his kid. Right. Because they had, yeah, they had sex the last season. Yeah, many, many times. <laughs> it was about nine months ago. Um, <laughs> so, oh, yeah, she, he, sent, he sends Tobias and Lindsay into her house to collect the urine sample. Yep. Uh, oh, it's fantastic. But this is also the episode where Buster loses his hand to a loose seal. Yes. A, a seal had busted loose, dived into the ocean where Buster was, and bit off his hand. A yeah. loose seal. A.K.A. Lucille. Lucille. He's got mommy issues. Yeah. <laughs> and every time he realizes that, he, when he realizes that, he like completely freaks out. Yeah. <laughs> Lucille bit off my hand. <laughs> Right, now okay, then my favorite one. episode in the Arrested Development catalog, Mother Boy Triple X. Yeah. Mother Boy is a uh, mother and son banquet, like a cotillion almost. Yeah. For clingy mothers and their and their um their idiot children. Mother Boy was a dinner dance aimed at promoting mother-son bonding. 
Lucille had gone over 25 times with Buster and on a few occasions had one cutest couple. As one entered sexual maturity and the other one left it, it became harder to win. So hot. If you were hot, mother, we would win. Buster, so Buster refuses to go, so she brings, uh, Lucille figures she's got a better shot to win with George Michael. Right. The best part about this, first of all, is the fact that originally it was called Mother Boy until a band also named Mother Boy <laughs> sued them. The episode is so awkward and just so uncomfortable yeah. to watch because they, when they're showing the dance, they're showing all these other kids that are like, just help me. Help me, because everybody's dressed in, like, matching costumes, and it's really just, oh, it's horrifying. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Excellent episode. That, right. That's my Very choice. Much so, yes. Okay. Next we've got the Immaculate Election. The Mrs. Featherbottom episode. Who'd like a banger in the mouth? Oh, right. I forgot. Here in the States, you call it a sausage in the mouth. We just call it a sausage. This is also the one where George Michael tries to run for uh, for class president against... Steve Oak! Steve Oak! <laughs> oh, yeah, and um, I think he fails because... What, doesn't Job um, show the video of him um, being the lightsaber boy? Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it wins him back Anne. Yes. <laughs> or Egg, whatever you want to call her. <laughs> Uh, moving on, we've got the Forget Me Now episode. They've already introduced uh, Rita, the right. um, the mentally retarded female, and um, Michael, Michael is so embarrassed by his family, he, he he's in love with Rita, but he doesn't want her to ever meet his family. Uh, fortunately, Job gives him the answer, the Forget Me Nows, <laughs> which are roofies. <laughs> <laughs> and he knocks her out. And then I think they make their getaway in the uh, the cabin on wheels. Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> uh, I keep I keep forgetting about the cabin on wheels. I, I always just think about the stair car. The, oh yeah, the stair car, which is actually how they got back and forth to Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. You know what? I've also you know it's something I always forget about Arrested Development until I see it. They never call like everyone their their um kind of like their comfort food right. or jelly beans otherwise known as candy beans on the yeah on the show but uh moving on to another rita episode not a pussy yeah uh, michael doesn't understand that in british slang the term pussy means a sweet person yeah. like a pussy cat right not the way we think of it oh well they use it both ways as well yeah but when um michael when she calls michael a pussy he decides he's got to man up, so he tries to win a uh, father-son uh, field day event with Steve Holt. Steve Holt! Yeah, who's, because um, he, he's just a better athlete than uh, than George Michael is. <laughs> oh, it's such a fantastic episode. Um, you got the Ocean Walker. Yeah. Where um, Michael decides to, to marry Rita before he, real, before he finds out that she's a Mr. F. I just love the flashback on this one where Tobias gets lit on fire and tries to put himself out and like throwing himself in the pool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Joe set it up for a Joe set it up trick. for the walk on water trick, and he can't, why aren't I going down? <laughs> there was that great bit in this episode too where um, Michael decides he's going to have sex with Rita, right? And um, she talks about her tiny teddy, and he's like, "Oh, well, great!" Yeah. And it actually is literally a little tiny teddy bear. <laughs> Oh it's, oh, it's just so funny that, the, you know, there's such a fine line between British whimsy and mental retardation. And there's such a fine line between Oscar winner and, sh- and 
you know, great comedian. Now. Exactly. It's sad to think after that she did Aeon Flux. Oh, well, it was after that? Yeah, I think so. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Another great episode, uh, coming towards the end of the, the series. Yeah. Uh, faking It, where um, George Sr. gets a lawyer and um, Michael, Michael worries about witnesses. So what they do is they're going to actually do it as a televised trial. Um, on Judge Reinhold's new show, that you just called Judge. Um, the beauty is, is that the company, the the production company that maybe works for, is is throwing all this money behind this show. Right. Uh, primarily, the only reason why Judge Reinhold is qualified to be a judge on television is because his name is Judge. judge. So all of the ads, everything is just my name is Judge. They even pay <laughs> a, some kind of like obscene amount of millions of dollars to have these. Magazine inserts that when you open it up, it goes, my name is Judge. <laughs> and at the very, very last minute, Judge Reinhold's like, you know, I don't really like the name of the show. So they change it to Mock Trial with Jay Reinhold. Completely take the word Judge out of it at all. <laughs> with uh, William Hung and the Hung Jury Band. <laughs> Oh, what a fantastic episode. This is also great because Buster's got a great bit in this one. Yeah. Because in order to avoid being a uh, being called as a witness... He fakes a coma. <laughs> but he, and he stays in the coma because the uh, the nurse that's waiting on him falls in love with him, but only in love with him because he's in a coma. Right. <laughs> and she has a history of that, too, falling in love with guys in comas. But she, she, loves, she loves him because they're helpless... But if they're, and they're not helpless, she hates them. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay, and that brings us to the Family Ties episode, where yeah. we're talking about Nellie Bluth. Um, where, oh God, it's just, when you think about hiring a woman that you, you think is going to improve your company, and instead she turns out to be a prostitute. Right. Excellent. Totally no, excellent. This, this episode is actually another perfect example of how oblivious Michael sometimes is. Yeah. Where it's just like, he, they're talking in a bar, it's like, how'd you get into this business? Well, I ran. I needed money for college, so I started whoring myself out. <laughs> <laughs> she comes out right out and say, it, and he takes it completely different yep. because he's got in his mind that she's doing one thing, and he doesn't want to deviate from that. <laughs> now, what did you think about Development Arrested, the final episode of the series? I thought it was a good way to wrap it up. I thought it was a very satisfying way to end the show, if because if they never come back, right. they wrapped it up in the best possible way, right? Um, it wasn't the funniest part episode? Yeah. But it definitely worked. Oh, I thought it I thought it was great because you find out that Lindsay was in fact adopted. Mm-hmm. Um and she was adopted only because uh the the Blues rival San Stitwell Sitwell had a daughter. Had a, um no, they they were going wanted to adopt her. Oh. So they they right, adopted right. her out from underneath them, which is why there's always been that animosity between them. Right. Um so you know, it's it's okay now for George Michael to make a move on maybe. When they're already married. Yeah. Oh, oh, I forgot they got married. Yes. Oh God. I oh God, I totally forgot because they were staging mock weddings. Yeah, but at the old folks' home. But the uh, minister that that was supposed to be doing it. Yeah. Was replaced by an actual no minister. minister yes. So they were actually married. <laughs> <laughs> and then George Michael keeps you know keeps. You know, saying, oh, it's not a big deal, but hey, look, we're married. Oh, it's just, it's just kind of a joke. Hey, we're married. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and then at the end, um, the, 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 the Securities and Investment Committee 
arrest everybody, everyone on on the loose boat because it's a it's a restage of the, the pilot episode, right? Um, and Michael and George Michael make it out only to find that George that uh, that George Senior is stowed away, so they're still stuck with them. The beauty is that the one that who ends up turning everybody in in the very end is An Yong. Of course. Because it was a family revenge plot because of some, the injustices that the Blues did to his family <laughs> in Korea. Oh, fan, fantastic show. Yes. If, if, you're, if you're just listening to this because you're a loyal Geek Salad listener, and we thank you for that. Oh, yeah. Please check this show out. It is a phenomenal show. I don't know anyone who watches it who hasn't loved it. Yeah, just watch the extended cut of the pilot episode and you will be hooked. Watch it the is... first three episodes and I yeah. think you'll be, you'll be fine. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that kind of does it for that that episode. Let's uh, let's move on to some of our segments. Stupid, stupid. All right, Mike, this is your cross. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, during you know, in the past couple weeks, so this would be technically be be a show, but it's just it's way more stupid, stupid well, than it would be. A show. We've just found by including this, it just by necessity has to be stupid, stupid. Yeah. Um, I actually went and saw Transformers Dark of the Moon in theater. Yeah, he actually, Mike actually text messaged me saying, I can't believe I have to go. Yeah. Was your stepbrother you went with? My stepbrother wanted to see it, and my parents didn't want to take him, so I'm like, okay, I'll take him. Uh, how old is your stepbrother, anyway? Um, uh, 11. Okay. Well, it's understandable if he wants to go see it. And yeah. Now you being the good big brother. Um, if you read the FAQ, the FAQ... Well, on Topless Robot, it's actually pretty spot on. This movie, it, it Michael Bay broke the cardinal rule of all Michael Bay movies. He made it boring. Yeah. It, oh my, um, I literally, was literally bored to tears. I yawned so hard, my eyes watered. Wow. And the guy sitting in the uh, row behind us. Was snored through seventy five percent of the was movie. audibly snoring. Yes, very very loudly. Yeah, Mike actually wrote a great um, great little review of this that you can get on the uh, Geek Salad webpage on Facebook. Well, and I tried to post it there; it was too long, and I couldn't figure out how to post a note. So okay. I posted it on my page. Yeah, and then linked it to it. Yeah. So yeah, you can check it out. It's fantastic stuff. One thing I forgot to mention that I thought about um, after the fact. After the yep. fact. Um, I remember when he made the first movie. Michael Bay was all about the, transfor- the transformations have to be have to be logical. I mean, they has to be look like all the parts have to work. Mm-hmm. He decided to throw that out completely out the window <laughs> for this one because Laserbeak, who doesn't look doesn't like Laserbeak, like Laser looks like some kind of weird. I don't know what it looks like, but it could turn into anything. It turned into like a pink. Tiny bumblebee clone. It turned into a photocopier. Uh, it turned into a mouse, a well, computer mouse. That was kind of like that annoying, um, that annoying Transformer in the first movie. Uh, Not the Joe Pesci one from Revenge of the Falling, but the remember the one that was on Air Force One. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That could like turn into anything. Well, I think he only turned into a boombox. I thought he turned into a couple of different things. No, I think he only did a boombox. All right. But Laserbeak can turn into anything. It didn't matter how big, how small, how many parts it had. So I'm, I'm just, you know, after the fact, I was just thinking, Michael Bay, you just completely took whatever you said and just said, the hell with it. I'm going to do whatever I'm I feel like. going to wipe my ass with this now. Yeah. And yet, we're the bad guys. We're the cynical assholes for not liking this movie. Because the people that do love it, which are not many. No. 
are, like, really defending it to the hilt. With nothing more to defend it with than what do you want, it's just a summer movie. I came up with a theory. I, th- I think I texted you the theory. I never got I never got a response back, though. Um, I think I figured out why it's doing so well. Hmm. It's so dull. People forget that they've seen it. Okay, Within the sense. course of a week. It's like, oh, did we see that movie? I have no memory of this movie. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it... Uh, I, growl. I, would, I would go out on a limb and say this was a worse movie than Revenge of the Fallen. Really? Because Revenge of the Fallen had more action. Wow. That's saying something. Yeah. One of the local sports guys um, in, on Boston Radio actually was reviewing it, and he's like, I, I honestly can't give you a fair review of the movie. I walked out about two hours in. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You don't make an action movie close to three hours long, and but pad out where the action's going to show up. Right. <clears throat> Yeah. yeah. Um, also on the list of stupid, stupid, um, yesterday Netflix announced that they're going to be raising their rates. Mm-hmm. Primarily, um, you're going to be paying for the instant stream and then paying for your DVDs as well. Separately, yeah. Separately. You can um, either do one or the or other. Or a bundle. Or bundle them together for pretty much the same amount as if you buy them separately. Right. What I am trying to figure out is because the way I do it, I know you're 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 going to be impacted on September first yes. because of, because you do the one movie. Um, and the, the streaming. Yeah. Um, I do the three movies with Blu-ray and the streaming. So I don't know how that's going to affect me. They better me. give it to you because... They just... Because I'm paying... I'm paying enough as it is. Yeah. Um, and I've already... I mean, I've dealt with the price when they've downgraded the price and when they've upped the price. I mean, I've been a customer for 10 years. Mm. And I have always stayed on the three. And the reason why I'm, I'm staying on the three instead of bumping down the two at this point is because... I'm thinking I might turn one of those uh, cues into something for Scarlet. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I just it's not a lot of time for me to watch a lot of movies, so having some for her yeah. might actually make more sense. Yeah, I would say so. So, I mean, more on this as it goes, I really have a feeling this might end up being, uh, oh, we made a mistake, because I'm, I'm hearing about people that are already canceling wow. their subscription over it. Um so, but then again, there's also that thing, too. Where else are you going to go rent a movie? Even if you go to Redbox, you can't get old stuff. No. You can't stream from Redbox. No. So I have huh. a feeling that, at, I think they're going to end up reneging on this. Mm. Or or at least knocking that down the price of the com- combination package. Yeah. Um, or, you know, showing loyalty to people who've been with them for ten years. Yeah. You know. You know, obviously, more on this as it comes. Yeah. Um, I will not badmouth them at all, though, because I think Netflix has given me m- way more value than than a, ni- a date night at the movies for me costs more than my monthly subscription. Yeah, I would say so. Plus, and that's a hit or miss. Yeah. Plus, all the uh, movies that I've I've uh, copied, um, I mean, watched <laughs> and thoroughly enjoyed. The next thing I'm going to need, I'm going to need to go through my coworker. I mean, through legitimate sources. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to Trailer Park. Uh, they just launched the latest trailer for the Steven Spielberg Peter Jackson uh, collaboration. What now? What is the subtitle to this? The Adventures of Tintin: The Secret of the Unicorn. Snowy. The unicorn. That's a very unique specimen, that is. The finest ship has ever sailed the seven seas. How much for the boat? 
It's not for sale. You're about to walk into a whole mess of danger. Something happened on this ship. What secrets do you hold? What's this? That model ship conceals a clue to one of the greatest treasures in all history. Good boy, Snowy. Are you going to take charge of this evidence? Never fear, Tintin. The evidence is safe with us. Help! Thompson, where are you? Oh, well, I, I'm already downstairs. Do try to keep up. All right. What were your thoughts? I'm really, really looking forward to this, mainly because I'm a huge fan of Tintin. Okay. I, I've been. I've read Tintin's for as long as I can remember. I mean, back when I was first getting into reading, I read Tintin. <laughs> yeah. I I thought it looked really cool. Um, this is this is really the best way to do the motion capture animation when yeah. you're not trying to make him look realistic because then you get the hollow-eyed creepiness of Beowulf. Mm. Right. Um, and you don't have to make the characters look like the actors that are portraying them. My Here's what I'm having, a, just having some difficulty reconciling with the trailer, is that they're going under the assumption everybody watching it is familiar with the characters in Tintin. Because the way they do introductions in that are, oh, that's when that so-and-so meets so-and-so. Yeah, they it, they did kind of throw around the characters a little bit. Uh, Wait, did, did, they were a little more too... They're too familiar for people like myself who didn't read Tintin and aren't that familiar with it. Right. Um, but, you know, it does look it's like it's going to be kind of fun. <laughs> and for the first time in... Five six years, the uh, the best animated Oscar will not be the Pixar Award, <laughs> as it usually is. All you got to do to lose that Oscar, make a Cars movie. Yeah. The <laughs> uh, little tip: all you need to know as far as Tintin goes, Tintin, boy reporter, his dog Snowy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Captain Haddock, who's a kind of belligerent drunk. Yep. And they got the uh, two inept um, detectives, Thompson and Thompson. Yep, okay. One is Thompson with an H, and, and one, one is Thompson with a T. With, yeah. Without the H. Yeah. Um, there's another trailer that we're not going to play any of it because it's just a lot of noise and music. Yeah. Uh, but we saw this actually at Green Lantern. And we um, were both laughing at it. It's Immortals, starring um, the soon-to-be Superman, Henry Cavill. Yep. And Mickey Rourke, playing an evil god. The the part about this that really struck me was, and you can check the you can check all of our trailers out on YouTube. Um, the Immortals trailer, and I actually might post this on Facebook. This might almost be worth it just to check out for a laugh. Yeah. Halfway through the trailer, they actually say from the producers of Three Hundred. To while we were watching this in the movie theater, Mike and I simultaneously said, "Yeah, no shit," <laughs> because it is play. It's a play by play remake yeah. of Three Hundred. Every battle scene is slow mo ramping. Um, you know, the, the slow motion guy lunging with sword over his head and to with another... A, <laughs> with a spear out, th- outstretched. Exactly. But they did throw in a, sw- a switch. They added in that uh, electric bow from Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. <laughs> All I know is that this movie is about Theseus who, who fights the gods who, have, who, who are angered by humanity or, or some kind of crap like that. Theseus never had a laser bow. No, Theseus <laughs> didn't. I know because I did. We when I was in college, I did this thing called the Labyrinth Project, which was oh, actually yeah. about the story of Theseus and the Minotaur. Which is a great story. Great story. You're not going to see a Minotaur in this. No. Hell, the last time I saw a Minotaur in a movie actually was the movie Your Highness, where um, he had an enormous boner. Oh yeah, but, that's uh, right. 
That movie's coming out pretty soon. On DVD? Yeah. Oh, boy. I'm not going to see it. It was... It made me happy I used a pass okay. to go see it. Um, yeah. So, uh, let, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what do you got to shill for us this time around? I got the shill, the new Sci-Fi Channel Monday Night uh, Monday Night series. Yes, uh, Monday Night, the night when all the uh, quality programming shows up on Sci-Fi and then goes yeah. away for a week. <laughs> yep, uh, we got Eureka. Okay. The season premiere happened. Yeah, the season premiere of Warehouse 13. Yep, which um, my friend Craig loves. He was actually talking to Autumn and I about it. I absolutely love Eureka. Um, Warehouse 13, I've watched, I've enjoyed I just don't love it as much as Eureka. Okay. And actually the brand new show, Alphas. Wow. Okay. Alphas is uh, kind of nice. It's a, it's a kind of a different twist on the superhero team. Um, you've got basically people that, you know, some kind of uh, skill, special skill to them. Like one of them, uh, by enhancing their fight or flight um, ability, yeah. they get really strong, only for about five minutes. Okay. Um, you've got another guy who's can. He's got great hand-eye coordination. He can shoot. Like he he shot in this uh, criminal mm-hmm. through a, through a um, air vent. Okay. From <laughs> from about a block away. <laughs> You've got another a girl who can enhance all, can enhance her senses, but only one at a time. Okay. And when that one sense is enhanced, the others kind of fade. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. That's kind of cool that the powers actually have consequences to yeah. them. You've got a guy that can like tap into the electrical field, and, like watch TV through his eyes, but mm-hmm. he's like autistic. Yep. He like he can't. He can't uh, express himself very well. Right. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I don't have to check that out. Um, it's just kind of the, the the DVR is really a clutter right now of it's, just it's on, it's on on demand mishmash. Oh, perfect, perfect. Um, all right. Well, I have to shill Avengers or Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the cartoon series. Very which good show. I was watching almost out of sheer boredom one day at work. Um, I have a Netflix app on my phone. Right. So I'm like, um, I was kind of bouncing because this is the 30th anniversary of Superman two. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll watch the original Superman 2, the Richard Lester version. I got about three minutes into it, and I'm like, um, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> so uh, I actually was like, ha, ah, Avengers. You know what? Everybody I know, you, uh, Mike C., Jim, you all watch the, 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 the superhero cartoons. I really haven't gotten on board with that. So I started watching them, and I really enjoyed I really enjoyed them a lot. I like that they're trying to keep the origins close to the, the comic book. Yep. There is just such a wealth of villains and a yeah. wealth of characters. like that. So it's really cool. They get a lot of depth in the Marvel thing. Um, the humor. Mm. Oh my god, the humor in it is fantastic. Okay, stop. What is that? There's some kind of... of... That is a very big head. I am MODOK. I am the ultimate in human-machine interface. I am designed only for conquest. Whatever you say, freak show. Be silent! Like a frost giant's head on an infant's body. They, they definitely switched up um, Wasp a bit. And I didn't mind her that no, much. No, because in the comics, she's... Kind of useless. Well, she's kind she of was. dead now. Yeah, she's just kind of dead and now. When, when, and when the Avengers started off, she was pretty much useless. She was a female Hank Pym that didn't yep. do as much. Right, exactly. Who wasn't as smart. Right. And now and they kind of... I like to give they give Hank Pym a nice 
he doesn't really want to be a part of the event. He, he wants to just he wants to play in his lab. Exactly. Yeah. So I like that a lot. Um and then the other thing I got to show and this is I, this isn't even definite yet, but um on this week's Monday Night Raw, CM Punk who is a major heel and a just an awesome personality is uh he's threatening to leave the WWE. And he's got a list of, of, of demands from Vince McMahon to to fulfill for him to stay. Mm-hmm. And he said one of them. Actually, I'll, I'll play the clip. Number one thing being, I want you to bring back the WWE ice cream bars. just made you a million dollars in ice cream sales. This leads me to believe they are bringing back the most delicious ice cream snack ever. See, I never had it, so I kind of want to try it. When now. when these it when and if these do come out, I'm treating you to one because oh, you will nice. I, it's, it's on my dime because I I am that confident you will love them. Oh, you're going to have a box full of them. Oh, are you kidding me? I'm going to have I'm going to like buy a box the second I find them. Quit with my luck. I'll have like Vicky Guerrero or something. <laughs> Shit, you're great. I got Michael Cole on mine. Fantastic. <laughs> Yay, I got the ledge. I got George the Animal Steel on this. I just pulled the hair out of my mouth. <laughs> um, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, and with subject matter aside about the the, 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 uh, the treat itself, it's a great combination. It's vanilla ice cream on a stick with chocolate, like it dipped in chocolate on one side, and a soft vanilla cookie on the on the front with like a, a picture of your, your favorite WWE wrestler. I just took a big bite of uh, Wendy Richter. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that back in the day, back in the 80s, yeah, you would you would do that. You just, oh, I got Jake Roberts, great. I got George Wells, damn it. <laughs> King Kong Bundy, oh man, it's going to my thighs. Um, uh, that'd be a good one, because you could have to- that'd be two meals. Well, I've often said that um, you could put Dora the Explorer on these things, and I would eat them, because they are just, it's a good combination of, of, of sweetness. <laughs> Um, good humor is, I think, is taking it very seriously because they're doing a lot of stuff on their on their um, contact us, mm-hmm. and it was actually a trending topic the other day on on Twitter. Oh, nice! Yeah, there's a Facebook page. I and I honestly think that just the virtue of CM Punk bringing it up, they're bringing them back. That makes sense. Oh, I can't wait because I mean, you probably I don't think they want to get rid of CM Punk. Not, well, so, it's that's a that's a whole other thing, but so I mean, unless they had already had it story that he, they're coming back, I don't think they'd have him make yeah. that demand. Yeah, I oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I'm nerding out about it already. So anyway, uh, that that about does it for this this episode. Um, yeah. We're gonna be taking a, a short break. We're probably gonna go about three weeks in between shows. Okay, um, not too long. Though, not because... too long. Cause we got we gotta get to episode fifty by uh, August twelfth. Yep. But I think in the first week of August, we should have episode 49 up, because mm-hmm. um, we're going to be taking a little break, and then we're going to be talking about Disney World, Disneyland, Disney, just Disney amusement parks, best and worst rides. Yes. We want you guys to be brutally honest with us. What do you love? What do you hate? Yep. And I, I've upon my return from the last time I went down there, I've actually got a much higher opinion of Epcot rides. So. Yeah. I am, you know, I think if I, next time I go to Epcot, I'll be more of an adult than when I was 20. Yeah. Obviously, it'll be close to 20 years since. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so if you want to let us know, you can get to us on either of our respective personal Facebook pages, the new Geek Salad Facebook page. Please tell your friends to like it. Uh, you can also get to us at GeekSalad at Yahoo.com. Uh, you can also follow us on uh, Geek Salad Radio at Twitter. And please do not forget, we are still taking votes for episode 50, the uh, 20 greatest superhero movies of all time. And just so you know, superhero movies could also mean something like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, hint, hint. Yep. Flash Gordon. Yep. Uh, the Yes, the... See, because they're, they're based on... Kind of a superhero type comic book on a on a comic strip. Yeah, it's something. It's it's comic book based movies or comic based movies. So right. Dick Tracy can count. Uh, Robert Altman's Popeye can count. No one's going to vote for that one. Well, yeah, no one will. But if I, I swear to God, I, I will kill whoever votes for uh, the Dolph Lundgren Punisher. <laughs> yes, so will I. Yeah, so uh, plenty of time to do that. We're just about a month, in, you know, a month away from episode fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we promise to make it a gala episode. If it just means that Mike and I drink champagne during the whole thing, we'll try yeah. to get guest stars instead. <laughs> I wouldn't mind some champagne. I wouldn't mind some champagne. Yeah, that might actually be kind of cool. Yeah. So anyway, um, until next time, I'm Andy. And I'm Mike. Go forth and be nerdful. We'll talk to you soon. Stop licking my hand, you horse's ass.